Welcome to the Israel Bible Podcast. My name is Cindy Parker. I am an author, a speaker, and the professor of Holy Land Studies at the Israel Bible Center. I'm passionate about reading the Bible in the physical, historical, and cultural context of its day. In this podcast, I'd like to invite you to join me as I sit down each week with other faculty members of IBC to discover new aspects of the Bible. Ah, these are some of my all-time favorite dialogues because as a modern audience reading an ancient text, we know that the Bible does not need to be rewritten, but it needs to be reread. One of the things Israel Bible Center offers is this delightful collection of conversations that are called roundtable talks. These are between Dr. Yeshaya Gruber and world-renowned scholars. It is such a pleasure to hear these experts talk about what puzzles them or what stimulates their research. Or, in the case of today's conversation, a simple question about the dichotomy between Jew and Gentile, or goy, or nations, that leads to a deep dive into literature only to return to the surface with surprising conclusions. In a roundtable talk called Jew versus Goy in Pauline and Rabbinic Thought, Dr. Gruber talks with Professor Ishai Rosensvi from Tel Aviv University. Professor Rosensvi teaches rabbinic literature in the Department of Jewish Philosophy in Talmud. But the subject of this conversation is about a book that Professor Rosensvi wrote with Adi Ophir called Goy, Israel's Multiple Others and the Birth of the Gentile. First in the conversation, they talk about how the idea of Jew versus Gentile is not actually found in the Hebrew Bible. And then they go on to discuss the Apostle Paul's role in highlighting this dichotomy, which begs the question, what is going on and why would Paul do such a thing? You're curious, right? It's a good conversation. So lean in and enjoy. The, the first question to ask is, when was the Goy born? Right, I mean the concept of the goy, and a deal in 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 my argument is that contrary to the scholarly um, assumption, it's not even a you know like a thesis because it was just assumed. Actually, we do not find a ripe concept of of the goy before the first century CE. Now, let me explain what a ripe concept of the goy means. It means that every individual in the world is either a Jew or a Gentile. Now, we may not know, but that's an epistemic problem. But in principle, every every man and woman in the world is either a Jew or a Gentile. So it's a total binary dichotomous uh, 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 split, right? Binary split. Now, there is nothing natural or obvious about it, right? Uh, French or German or British people do not have one concept for all those who are not them, right? The Greek did, okay? So it's a it's a um, cultural specific kind of division that we wanted to study in its specificity, right? And so we started, uh, we didn't want to do the history of the goal, you know? We wanted to do a kind of um, I would say a cultural, 
phenomenological, political analysis of this concept. But we started, we, we said to ourselves, we'll go to the library, we'll find, I don't know, five books and 15 articles on the history of the concept, and we'll, we'll you know, we'll continue from there. But to our great surprise, we didn't find any. I mean, you know, historians know how to historicize concepts, right? To do history of conceptions, right? There is a great book by Shia Cohen called The Beginnings of, of Jewishness, right? On the concept of Jew and Israel and, and, and there's histories of the concept of Torah and uh, etc. But we didn't find histories of the, I mean, early of the, of the, of the beginnings of Goishness, okay? Uh, in, in parallel to the beginnings of Jewishness. So we said first, okay, there is something to it. I mean, maybe this, this kind of um, omission is not accidental. And B, we said, okay, so let's do it. And what we, we found out is that there's many ways that Israelites and Hebrews and, and, and Judeans and Jews, you know, uh, made distinctions, but they did not coalesce to this one mega binary total distinction before the first century C. What about the fact that in the Tanakh, there are, in fact, many cases where we read about Hagoyim? You know, it does seem to be some kind of concept. Now, I know in the book, uh, you and Adil Fair explain that you see this concept as more fluid. There's a lot of gray area. For example, the ger, the um, foreigner who lives among Israel is treated in, in all sorts of different ways. And it's not nearly as clear as the later rabbinic interpretations, for example. But what about, for instance, a passage like Numbers 23, um, the statement of Bilam, where he says, you know, it's a separate people. They don't count among the nations. And that's maybe quite a unique statement. But can you explain your thinking about all those types of references to Hagoyim in yeah. the Tanakh? So uh, let's start from the collective names like Hagoyim and then move to individual um, uh, names like Nuhri and Enger. Okay. So regarding the Goyim, this is uh, first, we have to be very clear because it's misleading, right? Goyim in the Bible is nations, people. It's it's a political collective designation, okay? In some cases, some biblical writers may hint that uh, Israel is kind of an uh, exception, right? So we have a kind of rhetoric of exceptionalism. But this is a... Um, you know, a political exceptionalism. I, I would compare it to, you know, American exceptionalism in some, you know, in some context. It has nothing to do with the later goy. okay? So we're speaking about division between nations and different ways to conceptualize the place of Israel among the nations, okay? Are they one of the nations? Are they a special nation? Goy Kadosh, right? a holy nation, okay? Uh, in what way are the Israelites different or, or in what way are they different from the Canaanite nations? So there are many ways to cut it, but these are all political uh, collective statement. It has nothing to do with what we're looking for, which is the individual goy, that I as an individual identify myself as a either a Jew or a 
uh, Gentile. But there is an individualized term in the Bible, uh, in the in the Bible, which is nochri, right? Foreigner. Okay. Now, in the biblical narrative, foreigner may be of all kinds of foreignness, but in in biblical law. Uh, a foreigner is a non-Israelite. So here we come closer to the idea of, of the of the later going. However, what we argue is that the foreigner does not capture all non-Israelite the way the goy does. For example, the girl, right? The 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 resident alien, the one who gal who lives among you but is not part of the Israelite pedigree. Is not an Ochri and not an Israelite too, and and so and and this is exactly why the rabbis will have to redo the whole yeah. biblical ger uh, 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 thing and to make the ger into a convert, a ger shenit gayer, okay? Because the ger is exactly this in between that does not allow this binary. Uh, uh, division. And the same is true for distinction between nations. The Bible is full and the Pentateuch is full and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the Pentateuchal laws are full with division between nations. And the rabbis, by the way, in a very sophisticated way, will erase all these distinctions, right? Arguing that already Sancherim in the 8th century, right? The Assyrian uh, a king in the 8th century BCE mixed the nations and therefore all these biblical divisions are uh, irrelevant. So through, through the rabbinic effort to erase and to reinterpret and to reread biblical distinctions, we figured how different the biblical division from the, from the later rabbinic one. I don't know about you, but I was surprised by his conclusions and curious. In his book, Professor Rosenzweig suggests that Second Temple literature as a whole does not have the concept of the goy. And this is where it's helpful to keep in mind the conversations with Dr. Nyman from a couple weeks ago. She challenged some of the hard and fast lines we create when we talk about Second Temple literature, for instance. And now Professor Rosenzweig does something similar. He says... Everything is in transition. These ideas are all fluid. So, okay, so if not in the Pentateuch and, and, and not in the Bible, uh, so where can it be found? So, so we just, you know, went along Second Temple literature, uh, uh, what some call intertestamental literature, right? Hellenistic, uh, Jewish Hellenistic literature, etc. To, to find uh, in what ways did they, um, you, you know, did they make a distinction before the Goy took over? So a large chunk of the book is actually reconstructing different conceptions of, you know, distinction before this one mega distinction took over. So, for example, the Book of Jubilees, second century BCE, written in Judea, in Hebrew. Of course, we don't have it in the Hebrew original. All we we have is um, Hebrew fragments from Qumran and then translations. But uh, this book is considered one of the more 
I would say, xenophobic, chauvinistic, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, books because it's it's it it, it, it repeatedly talks about you know uh, distinguishing yourself from from the nations. However, what Adi and I argue is that you see there clearly that they don't have any you know anything like the goy, and therefore the book has to kind of juggle between all kinds of concepts and you have full chapters, right? Trying to cover, you know, all these others, the Canaanite idolaters, right? Ham and, 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 and those who worship this and those who worship that. And, and yet it is still in the, in, in the in the biblical world in this sense that it makes distinctions between nations, right? Lavan is not right is is not in the same category as as other nations as Ishmael, and Ishmael is not in the same category as. So we see this not as a our argument is not that before the goy we were all one happy family. This is not what we're you know, up to it all. Our argument is that we have to reconstruct pre-Goy, you know, uh, distinction-making. And for us, Jubilee is, is, is a very good example of a pre-Goy discourse of division and, and distinction, which in a way the Goy will make obsolete. You won't need all this chattering, all this, you know, division, because you have this one this one very clear, very sharp, very binary uh, um, dichotomous distinction. If there is one clear, sharp, binary dichotomy between Goy and Jew, well, my mind goes to Paul. Paul seems to make very clear distinctions in his letters that we have in the New Testament. So is Paul actually doing something new by establishing such sharp categories? Paul, let's let's take a step uh, uh, back. So Paul speaks about ethne, and ethne is the the uh, uh, Septuagint uh, translation of goim, and, and he uses it time and time again. It's the most uh, common ethnic distinction that he makes, more common than Hellenes Greeks, more common than Akubustia, uh, um, um, the uncircumcised. And, and other distinctions. But what is interesting and noteworthy, and scholars noted this, this is not um, you know, uh, um, our uh, innovation, is that Paul treats ethne not just as collective entities the way the Septuagint does, right? Ethne is goim, meaning nation, biblical goim. Rather, it address his addressees as ethnic. He tells them, you are ethnic. He actually tells in the in the uh, uh, epistle to the Romans, he tells them, right, I approach you, right, because you are ethnic, you are goim, and I am the apostle to the ethnic. Now, of course, the Romans do not know that they are ethnic. They think that they're Romans, right? They're special, right? And yet Paul tells them, no, you, you're ethnic. You have to realize that. So our question was, A, 
why does he use this designation as his major right uh, tool of distinction? And B, why is it so important for him to uh, 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 tell his addressees, teach them that they are ethnic? And here I come to your question because the the typical scholarly answer would be. Oh, I would even say the only scholarly answer that we've tackled would be, yeah, Paul is a Jew. He is a Pharisee. He is, um, um, you know, educated in the um, um, uh, Jewish Judean tradition. And as a Jew, he's used to this kind of distinction between uh, Udayoi and Etne. And in fact, the classic article from 1963, Paul Among Jews and Gentiles by Christel Stendhal, a superb article to, to, to this very day, you know, opens exactly in this way. As a Jew, Paul was used to dividing the world into Jews and Gentiles. But we didn't see that. We are you know, uh, diving into the Bible and Second Temple literature did not see that. We saw many kinds of distinction, but we didn't see this tradition of this total dichotomy between Jews and Gentiles. So if this is not the answer, then, right, we have to re-ask the question. Why did Paul make this distinction? If it's not simply a um, 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 a Jewish Pharisaic heritage. Uh, so, and, and again, what do we know about the, the Pharisees? I, I can only use the text that I have. I have first and second Maccabees, right? Second Maccabees is, is Alexandrian, but first Maccabees was written in Judea. Is this Pharisaic? Well, it, it was written in the, in the Hasmonean, right? Uh, Hasmonean Palace, it, it, it may be, you know, um, in, in this area. I have Psalms of Solomon, which is considered by many scholars to be a Pharisaic uh, composition. We have Qumran, which is, um, you know, maybe a scene, maybe a Sadducee, but in discussion with the And in all these, you know, uh, uh, multiplicity of of literature, I didn't find anything like Paul, okay? Unlike in other areas where Paul is very close to, for example, in his apocalyptic ideas, where I can I can find very easily, right? Approximate even similar ideas in, in Qumran or in or, or in Inachic literature, etc. Here we didn't find any uh, similar ideas. So we ask why? why Paul used this term so uh, so frequently and why was it crucial for him to teach his addressee that they are ethnic. So here we get to the Pauline very unique concept of the barrier and the way to overcome it. Because Paul is a Pharisee, Paul's uh, worldview is the the worldview of the Heilsgeschichte, the, the sacred history of the uh, of the Israelite from the chosenness to redemption. And yet he is the way he understands himself, right? 
uh, uh, from the very beginning, from the call uh, on his way to Damascus, is as an apostle to the ethnic, right? And so in a way, let me phrase it first in a very simple way and then to complicate it. In a way, the first self uh, writer that understands himself as an apostle uh, to the ethne has maybe for the first time to conceptualize what ethne are, right? Because most of the writing we have, virtually I would say all the writing we have, is inner Jewish, right? Even Philo mainly writes to his own right Jewish Hellenistic uh, co- congregation. So Paul, in a way, has to kind of create almost ex nihilo, his addressees. Who are they? Are they Romans? What does it mean? I don't see Romans in the Bible, right? So in what way can I let them in? If they are Romans, if they are Galatians, if they are Corinthians, right? How would I let them in? So Paul really, in a way, tackle a new problem, right? How to approach uh, these Romans and Galatians and let them into the biblical story. Now, the simple answer would be through circumcision, through, right, conversion. And that's what uh, uh, the other, right, missionaries, uh, James and, and the Jerusalem school, that's what they preach. But Paul opposed that. Why? That's a complicated story that has to do with his own understanding of the meaning of Jesus' death, right? That this this track is is impossible because if you continue with this track of, you know, the, 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 the good old Jewish conversion, you refuse to acknowledge, right? The, the novelty, the revolution of Jesus' coming and of Jesus' uh, death. Okay, so if this track is is if this track is closed, what about God-fearers, Judaizers, right? We, we just read in the scroll of Esther, Rabbi mityadim, right? The, the people come and Judaize. They're not convert. They just, you know, uh, it's a, a new usage of the word there, right? Um, right, exactly, exactly. But but for for Paul and his, uh, it's already uh, old. Yeah, and it's, it, it's already there. But that's not good enough for Paul too, because he wants them to become, and he says this explicitly: sperma Abraham, right? The seed of Abraham. So they they can't be circumcised, and yet they have to become integral part of the story, right? They have to become Abraham's seed, Abraham's sons, right? So as as Paula Friedrichson put it in a very, I I think, elegant way, this is no man's land because they're not pagans, right? They're a specific national heritage. Uh, They have to they have to uh, cut their ties, right? Their their, uh, uh, specific ties because these are all pagan ties that, and yet they do not become Israel in any um, known way, okay? And here, I believe, the Goy enters the the picture. And here, I think, is uh, Paul's brilliant innovation. 
They can't come as Israelite because they're not circumcised. They can't come as Romans because it's, or Galatians because it's meaningless in the um, uh, uh, sacred history of the Bible. They can't come as a universal person because this concept just does not exist, right? In, in, in this biblical horizon of the story of redemption, right? But they can come as goyim. These goyim that Isaiah and Jeremiah, right? And, and Ezekiel, right? Talk about that they will come, right? All the goyim will come, right? At the um, end of days, that, that the way they read it, uh, Isaiah probably means just later days, right? The days that will come. But for them, is the end of days, right? The eschaton. All the goyim will come, right? You are these goyim. So he kind of individualized, he privatized, right? A prophetic notion of goyim and and says, okay, nations do not come, but you do. So that's why he has to teach his addresses in in Rome and Galatia that they are goyim because that's the way they, and that's why for him, all the ethnic distinctions are meaningless but the distinction between Jew and Gentile is, is meaningful because they won't come as, as Israel. They will come as, as Goim. This whole conversation makes me think of several courses with Israel Bible Center that talk about Paul. And I've even interviewed Pinhas Shir about some of these ideas related to the audience of Paul, those who are joining this new Christian movement, and those who have to work out this idea of Jew and Gentile coming together in one community. You can find some of those conversations in the earlier episodes in the podcast, especially season two, episode five, and season one, episode 30. Or simply go explore some of the great IBC classes that dive into Paul's letters. This is one of the beautiful things about Israel Bible Center. From the comfort of your own home, you can take classes and within a year earn a certificate in Jewish context and culture. Or you can do it faster. You get to go at your own pace. Thank you, Jeremy McDonald from Mason Jar Music for editing, mixing, and adding in all the good music. And thank you for hanging out with me and being curious about all things Bible-related.